Here's what's coming today on the Woodworking Network podcast. The word synchronized etching. Keep that in your in your scope here. Welcome to this episode of the Woodworking Network podcast. Join us as we explore the business of woodworking, big and small, and what it takes to succeed. I'm Will Sampson. Today's episode is sponsored by the Executive Briefing Conference. We'll be talking with Jesse Collins, Marketing Manager for the Furniture Solutions Division of Rehow. But first, I want to talk about the intersection of technology and fashion. Two of the biggest drivers of change in the world are technology and fashion. And despite what you might think, they are not unrelated. From our perspective as an industry that largely manufactures practical goods, there likely is a tendency to downplay the importance of fashion in moving the industry forward. After all, products such as cabinets and furniture are meant to be used in practical ways to store goods, support our bodies in work and leisure, and to pragmatically solve some of the problems that life throws at us, like how to cook dinner. Isn't fashion just fads and frivolousness? Not really. The reality is that seemingly down-to-earth products, such as chairs and tables, have for centuries been as much about fashion as technology. While there has always been a baseline of minimum functional requirements for furniture, even going back to the first rock or log someone sat on as an ad hoc chair, there just as quickly followed trends to dress up that practicality with shaping and coloring. Let's face it, as much as we give lip service to architect Lewis Sullivan's edict that form follows function, we really like that form to be pleasing to the eye. And what pleases the eye changes over time. That's fashion. On the technology side, we are constantly inventing new materials, machines, and methods of work that expand the limits of what we can do. Today, additive manufacturing, often called 3D printing, has the potential to revolutionize many industries like woodworking that have for centuries been dependent on subtractive processes. Synthetic new materials change both the structure and look of furniture and cabinets. Some of the latest synthetics do an amazing job of mimicking the look and feel of wood, and more furniture and cabinet designs incorporate mixes of wood, metal, and synthetics. Fashion has long embraced a constant chase after the next new thing. That's true in clothing, furniture, and cabinets, because technology drives what is possible and fashion drives demand. It is often hard to tell which are doing the most to drive trends. Are soft closed drawers just a technological advance or a fashion trend? Do new finishing materials and techniques drive demand for different kinds of surfaces and sheens, or is it the other way around? Current concerns about the environment and global climate change are spurring both changes in customer demand and technological changes in how we make things to last and have less of a negative effect on the planet. Personally, I confess I'm more fascinated by the impact of technology. When I see all the annual press releases about designers choosing the color of the year, I mostly chuckle. 
But I can't deny that color trends affect our industry. Did somebody say gray? No, neither fashion nor technology can be ignored. That's why manufacturers need to keep abreast of both technology and fashion. That's why designers and architects need to pay more attention to technology as they create what will become the latest design fashion. We must recognize that the reality of Sullivan's advice in today's world is that form follows both function and fashion. Before we get to our chat with Jesse Collins, let's pause for a word from our sponsor. It's really easy for woodworkers to stay stuck inside, focused on their shops and production. But over the last couple of years, the pandemic has forced them to be even more isolated than usual. And it's even harder if what you want is to network with the top-level executives in the industry. Where and how can you do that? The answer is the Executive Briefing Conference coming this September at the Spectacular Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. This is an unparalleled opportunity to boost your business with intelligence on techniques, tools, and technology, and to feed on inspiration from real leaders in the industry, not to mention taking all the high-altitude hospitality and beauty and recreation offered by the Broadmoor. Learn more at executivebriefingconference.com. See you there. Now let's talk about surfacing trends with Jesse Collins. Today our guest is Jesse Collins, Marketing Manager for the Furniture Solutions Division of Rehau. Uh, during more than 11 years with the company, she's worked to establish Rehau as a market-leading, trend-setting, edging surfaces and cabinet door solutions brand. Welcome to the Woodworking Network podcast, Jesse. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you today. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, I think that with surfacing, it, it seems to be such a, a trend-driven field uh, that everybody wants to know what's new. And, and from your perspective, what are you seeing as the biggest trends in surfacing and edging materials right now as it relates to cabinets and furniture? Absolutely. Um, it's been kind of an interesting couple of years um, when it comes to trends in general, but especially um, in the surfacing and um, design materials um, world. We've seen, um, I will even, I'll even start to say we've seen a, a pivot towards people wanting to choose higher quality materials, maybe because they've done, had some time to do some research um, and possibly pivoting to materials they don't have to worry about quite as much, or maybe their installers or the people running their uh, edge banders won't have to fiddle with and hopefully reduce some of those labor costs because we all know that that is a, a huge element in today's world. But when it comes to actual trends, which was your actual question. We've come right off of um, the Euro Cucina Salon de Mobile that was in Milan last week. And um, I don't have a full report quite yet. We're still um, getting some stuff from our colleagues because I unfortunately wasn't able to attend. But um, we're really seeing an increase in those neutrals becoming warmer. So you're gonna see a bit warmer, more or saturated uh, neutrals um, on the war warmth side. Um, but then also some really interesting plays on color where we may have not been so bold in the past. They're really trying to move forward on um, adding and making that step um, 
to a color where you maybe weren't going to in the past. And overall, we're just seeing there seems to be a sense of wanting to surround yourself with meaning, um, creating and choosing surfaces uh, with creative connections to experiences, something that's dynamic and customizable, something that connects you to some sort of uh, memory you've had in the past. So maybe bringing that um, exceptional piece of art that you had from your travels in uh, a country in Africa um, and like designing a space around that. So that ultimately fundamentally comes back to the surfaces and uh, drives where you may, you may pivot a little bit more bold than you were um, in the previous years. Interesting. So it, it sounds like too, the the ongoing trend that we've been seeing in in kitchens in particular where they're they're contrasting different kinds of surfaces uh in the same kitchen uh and different colors and contrast that way that sounds like that's continuing on absolutely and this really making that place your own i mean we know that the American market is is designing, unfortunately or fortunately, who knows, but for resale value, which is a very much real, um, real element that we want to think of. But I think uh, the past few years have kind of changed our mindset um, where we may be in a space more often than we were in the past. And to really make that space reflect you or um, your client's design, like intentionally designing for them, maybe not as much as uh, for resale value as it was before the past few years. That's interesting. You mentioned that because I know that there's a, a misconception in the American market. They don't realize that particularly with the, the European style frameless uh, construction that in Europe, in many of the places there, people take their kitchens with them when they move that they're absolutely kitchen furniture. It's not it's not something that stays in the house when they sell it. And, exactly. Uh, I mean, the world um, that they call it furniture. Yes. Um, I don't we don't necessarily think of our kitchens um, or our built in structures in our house as furniture because they're built in. And we have um, there's always some uh, fun little conversations I have with my European colleagues when they wanted us to use the word furniture. We're trying to um, be cohesive on some sort of campaign and they're using the word furniture. I'm like, in America, furniture is your sofa, your chairs, maybe shelving, maybe. Yeah, freestanding but stuff. definitely yeah. not your kitchen. It is built and it stays with that home. <laughs> That's funny. Now, one of the things that, that we've been seeing a lot of uh, here in the States and seems to be a rising trend. Is it continuing that the, the textured wood look laminates are still on the rise? Is that really still a popular thing? Absolutely. We've seen um, significant growth of increase in our um, Ralvisio Terra uh, line, which is our uh, textured HPL. It's a super soft, like really realistic looking um, textured wood grain. Um, very much an increase of interest. And what has been interesting is the dynamic shift of which colors have been popular. So that's what's kind of like moved. There's still for sure an increase of popularity, but it went from, I think when we launched the line about five years ago, the gray undertones, um, maybe whitewashed things that were a bit more subtle. Now the ones we can't keep on the shelf are those honey toned um, colors and the mid mid-level wood grains, the uh, um, so like warmer. slightly Letter warmer, warmer, warmer. yes, yeah, absolutely. 
And that, I mean, it very much coincides with what I said earlier, those warmer, warmer is coming. I mean, for so long, we were, we were gray washed. Most things were gray washed and I'm really seeing a growth in those in warm undertones. Yeah. That's and like that's, medium, medium, like yeah. mm-hmm. not super yeah, not light. Not real dark and not real light. Right. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's been a kind of a, interesting disconnect that seems to be happening and surfacing in materials where you know synthetic reproductions of natural materials are overtaking the actual use of the natural materials themselves right um and there's even some argument we've covered it a lot of that the synthetic materials actually have a smaller carbon footprint in manufacturing uh can you speak to that at all So I can't speak to an actual direct number for smaller carbon footprint. I know um, there are some studies about that, but um, not quite my expertise at this point. But we know we all want to conserve our natural resources as much as possible and use them in the right way. So if we can make a high quality, high performing engineer material with less of a footprint, less of less of taking that natural resource, um, I think think that it makes sense to use as little of those resources as possible. So when the design allows, when you need some flexibility, when you need some, maybe some color consistency that's not quite as possible, or you have um, a larger project um, and want to um, optimize labor costs, uh, it might be the right move overall um, to to move towards the engineered engineered surface versus the, the natural. Well, certainly you can get a much more consistent material, you know, particularly if you've got to do really large surface areas and things like that, and you want it to to look right. Um, Exactly. Definitely. And and it's just amazing to me that the look and feel now that can be achieved with the the sophisticated embossed surfaces where the the embossing really does follow the grain that's on the paper below. And it just is it's you know, you have to look two or three times to make sure it's not the real thing. Exactly, exactly. And what we're seeing is, um, and I'm going to give a little teaser to a a new product that we're launching at IWF, but um, while it's in this wood grain uh, world, a a sense of playing with that flow, that grain flow in other ways besides embossing. So um, possibly playing with some gloss levels and things like that. So um, that's all I'm going to give right now as a sneak peek. But I think we're going to only see um, this world of what you can do with texture and wood grain um, on an engineered level only grow further beyond even what it is now. And it is amazing now. It's so impressive with what we can do to make um, make cabinetry look like real wood without being actual wood. That is interesting. Now, what about surface finishes and sheens? We've had situations in the past where there's been really ultra high gloss and Mm -hmm. then there's been, you know, the other extreme of really dull matte finish um, and everything in between what's what's happening is it that is it that contrast in the same uh, installation to do different sheens or are they is it going anywhere in particular 
So I still would say I think we're living in a priority super mat world currently. Um, but what we're doing is playing with what you just described, comboing it with some texture, comboing it with some some other extreme of high gloss, um, which is really fun in our line. We're able to like kind of play with all of those, which is so much fun to do um, from a marketing point of view and also to uh, serve some clients and play with projects. But I would say the mat is still King Matt is still, um, as far as like, um, still the hot trends, what they're doing inside of the mats though, is playing with color. So instead of it just being your neutrals, um, we're having some unsaturated pastels, uh, bringing in some options for like little, like I was describing earlier, little hints of color, but the mat gives it a, a softness that doesn't make it quite as scary for a lot of people when they're doing their designer uh, choices or um, trying to offer something to a client. The mat makes it a little more approachable, especially for the American market than if you were to think about like a, a red high gloss, which is a fun choice for um, a certain design, but not for everyone. Right. Whereas a, a more muted, um, uh, a minty mat, maybe something that s someone can jump into besides your typical um, painted white, which we see obviously more of a chalk of finish or something like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But playing with that color undertone to give it a little bit more pizzazz to make it something that feels more like you instead of what's exactly in your neighbor's um, home or in the in the the unit uh, multifamily unit that was built next door that you're trying to build. Um, and offer to new uh, perspective owners or occupants something that you can say, oh, hey, we're doing something a little different over here. Well, I think, too, that the, it seems to be that the color is being used as sort of a, a point of whimsy and, and uh, accent. Um, and I think it goes, too, with the popularity of a lot of the, the mid-century modern kind of Agreed. style furniture. Mm -hmm. and they put in that kind of little uh, uh, pop art kind of a, a thing there as as an accent and that that works but I could see how the the sheen taking away the gloss uh, could could make that fit in better uh, in a situation absolutely and for sure still seeing like not still but even more use of those combinations of of matte and high gloss and texture all in one space um, and really playing with those different sheens and textures to make a space all your own. That is interesting. And it sounds like uh, designers have their work cut out for them to try and and combine all of these uh, palettes without, uh, you know, getting some kind of what we used to to derisively say in, in the newspaper business, the Carmen Miranda layout look. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, you, it's a, there's a sweet spot there. You don't want to go onto that side of the line. <laughs> now, getting back to the, the textured laminates, um, the major advances in technology for photorealistic embossing just made those things possible. What's the next big technology breakthrough that's going to affect surfacing mm. got any insight there any insight well i will hint again at um something i won't give too many things but uh the word synchronized etching keep that in your in your scope here um okay. versus an embossing because we are seeing 
We are seeing the embossing coming out of Europe is getting a little softer, a little lighter, not quite as intense, not quite as uh, deep, but still wanting to follow the grain. So a more realistic, getting even more realistic. So the, the paper, the print is getting more hyper-realistic and then also the, um, the finish as well. So we're going to hopefully be playing in a world of... Um, uh, synchronized etching. So that's playing with gloss levels in line with the grain instead of embossing in line with the grain. So now, we'll now what about sort of going into the, the issues of all these different sheens have also different maintenance challenges. Sure. And, uh, you know, I know that, that you folks had a, a product, I don't know if you're still doing it or, or not, or if it's expanding, that was designed to basically uh, take away fingerprints and yeah. things yeah. like that. Um, is, is that an area that's going to be, we're going to see more things happening in? Absolutely. So that you're referring to our Ravizio Noir line, which is um, a monotonic mat. So a super high performing um, matte product that is insanely durable, um, fingerprint resistant, scratch resistant, and also repairable, thermally uh, repairable. So um, yes, we're expanding that line too. You're giving me, giving all my tricks away. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's know, good. I, it's, we see like an increase of the, the mat. I, I don't, it's not going to go anywhere. And it's honestly, it's really, um, I think a more approachable uh, sheen extreme for the American market anyway. So it, it just makes sense for us to include and expand that line even further. Well, I think the you know it's it's always been in these surfacing materials. There has been you know a huge variety, almost intimidating variety. Right. Um, yeah. When you you see all the choices and 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 I know from my own sales experience that sometimes too many choices is not a good thing. Right. Um, right. So you, you really have to to get your designers and specifiers educated um, so that they can help customers through this uh, uh, blizzard of of opportunity and choices that they have. What what kind of recommendations or suggestions do you have to for folks to narrow their their options or to select the best options for their customers oh that's a toughie i think that is the art of interior designers uh that's what they go uh to school for to learn how to understand and research and figure out product options that they are then the filter for for the client um, and what we try to do is um, maybe do a bit of that pre-work for them. So as a manufacturer, um, of course, we're based um, in Europe as well and have the pulse over there of like upcoming trends because we all know that that comes out of Italy, especially most of, of the design um, trends either in the home, um, Scandinavia. It's yeah, it mostly comes and starts from Europe, but not everything's going to resonate here. So we try to really pick and choose the the lines um, and even the curate the colors within those lines for things that we think are, are boundary pushing for the American market, but not something that is completely unapproachable. So trying to help with the designers or help out the designers to not have this vast program of things that we know are never going to be wanted here, but try to also act as uh, put a, a little bit of an interior designer hat on when choosing 
materials and also asking interior designers to be a part of that process with us. We do that quite a bit um, and making sure that they are well equipped um, when we do offer a line that they know all of the features and benefits, um, what could possibly be the application in, in which this product would be used best. Some things resonate a bit more residentially than they do commercially. Um, and uh, as we all know that those are two different designers, two different schooling, two different um, approaches to pleasing a client. So making sure that they know um, where they can find the resources in order to do their jobs the best, because that's really what they're doing is they're filtering out all of those thousands of options in order to uh, figure out what's the best approach for the client. Well, there seems to be a flip side of that uh, uh, discussion too, from the manufacturing uh, direction. You know, I, I think that a lot of people in the industry are, are focused all on the design side specifiers and they're not paying attention to the manufacturers who, who they can have a significant role in choosing uh, lines and materials that they like to work with. And absolutely, uh, uh, you know, like I, I would encourage manufacturers to not just leave all of that argument in the hands of the designers and architects that they should know about these products uh, so that they can can steer those designers and architects that they work with to choose the things that they like to work with. Does that make sense exactly. too? Oh, complete agreement. And that's why we don't just chill and hang out with interior designers all the time, but why we're, we're talking um, every single day to cabinet shops and architectural millwork shops and making sure that they are up to speed and aware of the products, at least that we offer or how they compare to others. And what I think is really interesting is an interior designer can come with a a product line that they want to use based on it, it looking really amazing or they think it's the right need for the client based visually. And then the shop will come and say, but this is actually really a pain to work with. Would you want or would doesn't you be willing hold to accept up or something? Yeah, like it doesn't that. hold up. Or we've had yep. some jobs we've installed that the um the project owner or the homeowner was not happy because of the end quality. Would you consider you know, submitting or like substituting your spec to this product um, because we we work with it really well. You'll be able to say the end project will save on labor costs because it installs easier or we're able to edge band it better or faster or whatever. They Oh, my. So much knowledge comes from the shop and the manufacturer. Um, and I that's why we make sure that we are um, in constant communication with both audiences to get them up to speed on whatever that they need to ensure that the end client gets the best product and that people don't feel like it was the absolute pain in the world to work with in those, in the process. That's great. Well, that's, that's really important to get the whole, whole feel of it. And I'm really excited to uh, uh, see you in Atlanta and, and to uh, see what uh, new products you guys are offering and, and all it's uh, uh, this is a really exciting part of the industry right now. And yes, I think there's a lot of interest and uh, uh, a lot of knowledge to share. 
So I appreciate you spending time with us today. This has been great and uh, giving us a taste of some of the new stuff and uh, hope to to dig in uh, in August uh, at IWF. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having you, Will, and can't wait to see you at IWF. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. That's it for today. If you're looking for more of our podcasts, you can find all of them at woodworkingnetwork.com slash podcasts and in popular podcast channels. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks again to today's sponsor, the Executive Briefing Conference. If you have a comment or topic you'd like us to explore, contact me at will.sampson at woodworkingnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. 